Welcome to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with me, Shelley Fischel of Tomorrow's VA and Joe Brianti of JLB Business Consulting. Each week we chat with amazing guest experts all aimed at helping you grow your VA business. So sit back, grab a cuppa and tune in for a fun-filled episode. Welcome listeners to Virtually Amazing, the podcast, and we are at episode number 50. Five today. And when I checked the stats this morning, Joe, we were at 5,101 downloads. So we've gone from 5,000 about a week ago, we've had over 100, well, we've had around 100 downloads in the last few days, which is phenomenal. So I'm very chuffed, 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 chuffed to bits with that. That's, that's amazing. Did you think that we would be in this stage 12 months ago, when we started and did that first one? Uh, probably not. I thought nobody's going to want to listen to us waffling about, but they do. So thank you, listeners. We love talking. Uh, and it was great. Last week, um, we interviewed um, Amanda, Amanda Johnson, who's coming back. By the time you hear this, you will have heard that episode because that was episode 52, which was our, um, and you know, celebrating our birthday episode. Uh, and so it's, it's really great to be continuing. So Joe, what you we were just chatting before we came on air you've been quite busy haven't you yeah um, things have been really really busy just lately um I was saying earlier that over a period of time I've been doing this networking and the the kind of the marketing I've upped my game on my social media and all of this stuff has been going on and there have been days where you think, oh, it's not happening, it's not happening, it's not happening. And then all of a sudden, in the space of a couple of weeks, so much stuff has come in that it's been, you know, really, really busy um, from a work perspective, on top of all the other stuff that goes on in life. So it's been really positive. And um, yeah, I'm sort of in the process of going to have some conversations about some um freelance data protection officer work which will be quite interesting as well so how about you Shelley? Yes well it's been quite busy for me over the last couple of weeks since we last chatted and uh, I've got uh, I'm doing a workshop this week Uh, today is April the 28th listeners as we record this and tomorrow April the 29th I'm running a workshop for Miss Jones virtual summit which is uh, if I say so myself going to be quite excellent and amazing for those that are attending no but I mean joking aside I've been preparing that so I've been quite a lot of work on that that's going to be uh, delivered uh, via zoom so Microsoft Teams but via zoom so that's quite interesting I've got two cameras set up now and my two monitors and it's a bit like um, it's a bit like the TARDIS here if I could show you what my desk looked like uh, but yes, I'm busy with that. I starting next week with 10 sessions of delivery for my housing client on Microsoft Teams. I've had another inquiry about Teams training. Well, I've had two that have come to me via LinkedIn, recommendations being recommended to companies to teach Teams. And, uh, and um, a large international project, which I, together with somebody else, it was a collaborative product project, looked at uh, quoting for last, uh, just before Christmas, uh, they came back and said, no, for whatever reason, they suddenly appeared and it looks like they do want this to go ahead. And that's going to be a stupendous, 
huge project. So there's lots of stuff going on. I've also got uh, webinar webinars for smart events that I'm going to be doing, one on Word and one on Excel. There's going to be two webinars a month. So those have got to be created. And I'm going to be at the PA show in June. So that's all got to be sorted. I've got a stand to sort out because I'm exhibiting. Mm. I've got to figure, I've, I've got to plan the sessions I'm doing. I, I know the sessions, but they've got to be finessed a little bit. And uh, yeah, so life is very nice and busy. So How's the book writing coming along? Not a word. I haven't <laughs> written a word. <laughs> life has just got so busy, there hasn't been time. I'm that, I, I tell a fib, last week I sat down and I said, one day I'm going to at least plan one of the books. Uh, and I got not very far. So um, yeah, it, it will happen. It will happen. I, I suspect what will happen is Book Boone will write to me and say, you said you're going to write these books. When can we have them, please? And at that point, I'll probably get very busy. But at the minute, just seems to be so much other stuff that's yeah. paying money now yeah. that needs to be done. But coming back to your point about it, did it, you do all this stuff and you say it's not happening, it's not happening. And I want to pick up on that because yeah. it's a big business lesson that mm. we all need to learn. Um, networking is a long game. Yeah. And it doesn't happen overnight. And networking is not just the physical meetings that you go to. It's the Facebook groups and the LinkedIn posts and the commenting that you do and the helping yeah. out all over the place. It's all of those things. And I'm getting approached to speak at online events now because I'm very visible. Because in order for people to know about you, you have to be visible. And that's really important. So I think that really is something to talk about um, a lot more yeah. over the next few episodes. But I want to just mention our guest that's coming up in a few minutes. We have another really international episode today. We're going to be talking to Stuart Snooks. I love his name. Stuart mm. Snooks from Australia. So he's joining us from Australia and we'll have a chat with him in a few minutes. He is a productivity guru, specifically around Microsoft Outlook. And I'm sure that we're all going to learn heaps, including me, uh, from our chat with Stuart. So um, shall we go and get him? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm very excited about this. Yeah. So we'll see you in just a minute. <laughs> Welcome back, listeners. And with us, we now have the fabulous Stuart Snooks joining us all, away, all the way from Melbourne in Australia. Is that right? It is Melbourne, isn't it? It is Melbourne indeed, yes. <laughs> it is, yeah. Stuart, do you want to let our listeners know who you are? I've known Stuart for about a year. I think we con we connected around about a year ago uh, and he's all the way over in Australia. So timing is quite an issue for us because uh, for me in Israel, it's five to one in the afternoon. For Joe, it's five to 11 in the morning in the UK. And what time is it for you, Stuart? Five to 8 p.m. in the evening on uh, Wednesday evening. You're ahead. Yeah, for all those diary management people out there that listen, this is exactly what you love doing. <laughs> <laughs> Me, not so much. <laughs> so, Stuart, do you want to tell our listeners all about you, what you do, and, and so on? Sure. So, Stuart Snooks, um, and I've been working in productivity for about 25 years, and I specialized in the email aspects of that about 15 years ago, because more and more of my clients 
during my follow-up coaching was saying, hey, my biggest problem with time management is email. Have you got something specifically for email? So since about 2005, I've um, researched and, and specialised in that area and collated what's regarded as best practices from around the world. And, and I teach that in workshops and coaching and blogs and articles and podcasts like these. Yeah, that's really great. And uh, after we connected, I, I had access to one of your webinars, which was mind-blowing, I have to admit. And I teach Outlook. So um, it was really, it is really valuable. And I have seen loads of people that I know, EAs on LinkedIn, who um, sing your praises as well. So uh, so that's really cool. So do you want to tell our listeners what your kind of, um, how did you choose to, to specialise in, in, in email productivity, apart from the fact that your clients were saying that's what they wanted? Well, yes, I just followed the breadcrumbs, really. That was the, the need. When I started in time management, and I'd had a first um, career in the wine industry, so I worked restaurant, retail, wholesale, which across to Europe and pick grapes in France. And um, I'd done that for about a decade and then wondered, you know, what am I going to do for a real job? Uh, and uh, there was an opportunity to work in uh, time management. I thought, that's as good. I'll spend a year or two and get good at this. And maybe I'll become a time management expert to the wine trade. And and maybe one day I will. It just, it just hasn't <laughs> taken that step. Uh, and so I've worked with um, a wide range of organisations. And in recent years, uh, finally found what I think is an ideal target market. I thought anybody who uses uh, email would be a target market for me. And, and to some extent, that's true. But as I've uh, got older and have less years ahead of me, I want to make what I do you know, pay off. And I thought the biggest impact I can have is to help senior executives who seem to get the most volume of email. How can I help them? Well, most of them won't admit that they've got a problem or haven't got time to address it. So maybe I can help them through the EAs. So I've um, I target specifically trying to work with EAs and PAs to free up their time, energy and headspace so that they're then freed up to offer greater support to free up their executives' time, energy and headspace. Um, so some people follow their passion. Uh, that hasn't been me. What I've followed has become my passion. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. I got into training, really, it was a bit of a fluke, um, but I love it. So, yeah, I mean, totally. Totally, yes. totally get that resonates completely. And also with the idea of, of freeing people's headspace, uh, I have a workshop that I often run called End Your Outlook Overwhelm, because sometimes when you just look at your inbox and you've got 5,000 emails sitting in there, yeah. you're overwhelmed before you've even started. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is And of course, it doesn't even have to be 5,000 because you can only see about 40 or 50 at a time and that's enough, isn't it, to be overwhelmed? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally enough, totally enough. So what do you advise people to do? What, what are your first steps? What's the first thing you want people to do when they start to think about how can they start to manage their time with email better? Yeah, sure. I've drilled it down to three key areas that I believe we need to get control of. Uh, the www, uh, when we're trying to do email, mm -hmm. uh, getting control of when we give attention to it, because that's the big issue with email. If you ask people what their biggest problems are, the first thing they'll say is volume. Uh, often along with that is constant interruptions and distractions and pressure. And I don't know if you've read the latest book by uh, Cal Newport, uh, A World Without Email. And he talks about email hasn't just added to the volume of our workload. It's completely changed the way that we work. Because now, as a result of email, and email is not the only source of this, of course, you're constantly sifting, sorting, prioritizing new in inputs and information and trying to do the work at the same time. So we are what a lot of us call multitasking or what he calls working in series. And our brain's not wired up to do that well. 
in previous generations, we used to be able to work on one thing at a time or work in sequence. Uh, and so when we force ourselves to try and uh, uh, prioritize the work at the same time as we're doing it, um, it causes all sorts of problems. So getting control of when we look at email is, is a big factor. The second W is uh, what is your process? How do you process email? Um, funnily enough, this is a part of the business world that's never been systematized and standardized. Mm -hmm. Like in any business, there'll be a whole range of processes and we've come up with systems and we standardized it. So while you might have five or 50 or 500 people, there'll be just one or two processes for uh, raising a purchase order, paying an invoice, applying for leave. But when it comes to email, 500 people, 500 different ways of doing email. So we need to come up with a, a reasonably standardized approach with plenty of wriggle room for personal taste. Um, but it needs to be consistent. As David Allen says, the timeless solution is, is to have three things. Um, we must have a, a, a repeatable process that takes as minimal energy as possible. We must actually do some thinking. Um, you can't outsource all decisions to apps or other people. We have to make some decisions. That's a mental activity. That's where the wind kicks in because thinking takes time. Uh, and so we need to create some time to be able to do that thinking and decision-making. And then the third thing is we need a system that's going to capture the results of that work that we've done so you don't have to do it again. And the inbox is not very good at that, yeah. uh, the way it's designed out of the box. And I, I show a way which we'll unpack, I'm sure. Then the, the third strategy is where? Where do you store it? Where do you keep email when you're working on it? And where do you keep it when you're finished with it? In a way that's easy to access uh, to file it, but also very easy and quick to get back. Uh, so those three key strategies, when, what, and where. Fantastic. That's that, that. Yeah, totally, totally with you on that. Um, and I've tried lots of different things over the years, you know, having three folders, having yes. 10 folders, yeah. right the way. And now I have to admit, I hardly file email at all because the search facility in Outlook is so fast and so quick. There's almost no yes. need to have a whole tree load of folders. I don't know, do you agree with that, Stuart? Or have you got a different Very, very much so. Yeah. All of us experts tend to be talking the same tune, Shelley. Um, one single folder. Uh, one of the reasons people like to have lots of folders is because they haven't learned how to use search effectively. Yeah. They'll type in a generic term, get yeah. 5,000 results, and go, ah, search is hopeless. Search, as you say, has increased its capacity exponentially in our yeah. last generation or so, but we, as a skill set, haven't caught up with it. Yeah. So a couple of short um, lessons will very quickly get you up to speed using search effectively, which then justifies keeping everything in one folder. So you rely on the computer's memory and its brain to go finding things instead of our own. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. It's got much more of a memory. Have you got anything to, to add to that, Joe? It's really interesting about the one folder because I moved to that about 18 months ago and I can't, is it um, a, a, not a quick step, but um, I right click and then I go down to, it, it might be a quick step, completed, and it just, I action the email and I put it in a completed folder and then yes. I do use that search and I move to that you know, I was one of those who had all those folders. So totally understand. And the speed, it's just a quick right click and move to this yes. completed folder. But I've got it set up as a quick step. So you just go bing and off it yes. goes. You could even and set a keyboard shortcut up for your quick step, Joe. Oh, I hadn't even got as far as thinking that. But <laughs> yes. I, we'll talk because, about that later. <laughs> but it, it, it does make things so much easier you know and now if I'm looking for an email 
you know, the search, put somebody's name in and the, the topic or a, a keyword from that email, Bob's your uncle, and there's the chain. Yeah, yes. it's really yeah. great. And then, and then, Joe, on top of that, you can use Outlook's colors and categories for Outlook users. And so you can add, the beauty about that is you can add two or three categories to one email. And when it's stored in one folder, if you group that folder by categories, now you'll find that one email under client A, but also under project X, and it might be, you know, um, location Y. So one email, but you can find it in three different ways. So now it becomes easier to find your stuff by making use of categories. So the idea is oh. folder names are simply labels that you and I give things. Categories are simply labels that you and I give things. So instead of using folders and using separate locations, we give them separate labels, but keep them in one location, but they separate out and look like folders. It's a bit like using tags for data segmentation, oh. isn't it? Exactly. There you are. I'm yeah. off. You're That's... in your in your language. You're in your language, Joe. <laughs> I, I suspect I may have a little um, go at that later. That sounds amazing. <laughs> So when you talk about the when, Stuart, um, let's talk about the when, because mm. that's that's something. I mean, one of the things that I always teach on any Outlook course that I teach is to turn off all those pesky reminders. I don't yes. want things popping up on my screen. I don't want it going bing, 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 because yes. you lose it's I, I can't remember if it was 20 or 27 minutes or something like that for every interruption. So what's your recommendation about the when you check your email? Sure. Before we turn off alerts, a lot of people are uncomfortable doing that because they fear missing something, of course. So I talk about the principle of being proactive instead of reactive. And that means looking at email in a structured way instead of unstructured, with full attention instead of partial attention, in a proactive way instead of reactive. So the first thing I do is get people to start Outlook so that the calendar comes up first. At the start of the day, when you open up Outlook, the default setting says inbox. So immediately you're a victim to whatever everyone else has written on your to-do list in the inbox. So make it calendar so that we become uh, away from an inbox-based interruption-driven reactive working style to something that becomes closer to being calendar-based, plan-driven, proactive, and schedule when you are going to look at email. And in my training, I talk to people about some models. Could you check email every half an hour if you're in a highly responsive role, or maybe once an hour, uh, or four times a day is what best practice tends to be for most people in most roles, senior executives, twice or less a day. Uh, and then identify, okay, if you're checking it early or half early, that's easy, but it's four times a day. What are the best four times? So we have a, a play with that. Once you have got it in your system or structure of your day, it makes it much more easy to now turn off the alerts because you know when you are going to look at email. And then you can begin to manage other people's expectations around the way, the changed way that you're playing the game. Um, so I do a little multitasking exercise, Shelley, where I get people to I timed them. I put. I did it today, actually, in, in workshop number one in my current series. I put a timer up on the screen and say, write out the letters A to Z and capture your time. Write out the numbers 1 to 26, capture your time. Add those two up. Now let's do them together, A1, B2, C3. And it takes people 20, 50, 100, 200, sometimes 300% longer to do the same two things when they multitask compared to when they single task them. Yeah. And, and they're the two easiest functions I can think of. Imagine when it's complex. I like that. Oh, that's a really cool. I'm ah. gonna, I'm gonna nab that. That's a really cool <laughs> exercise. I like that. That's that's cool. No, but it, but it is true. You know, when you get off track and you go off and you you're working on something, you're in the zone, and then that pesky little thing pops up and says, "Oh, somebody just written to you. I'm to see what that is," and then you've lost your zone and you've got to find it again when you get back. 
So, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's that recovery time is often much longer than the interruption time. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. So four times a day or more frequently if you're in one of those jobs where you're high powered. Now, a lot of our audience are virtual assistants. Um, yes. Virtually amazing. We also have EAs and PAs who listen to us as well. But the majority yes. of our folk are VAs. So they are often managing several inboxes for different clients. So it's not like they're an assistant in a large organization where they're managing C-suite or three or four yes. different people. So do you have any tips for our VA audience on how they can interact with their email that way? In terms of timing, the when question? Yeah, maybe in terms of the when question. I think it's a bit more complicated because they may have regular hours that they have to do for a client and they may have ad hoc. Joe, you'd be better placed to tell me if I'm wrong here. Because I don't kind of do the, the diary management, but I know from speaking to other people, they... Um, they might have sort of a set two hours a week or half an hour a day. Um, it depends on the contract. It's very, very fluid. For it, it, There's a very kind of personal element between the VA and the client in terms of what they need and what they can deliver. So um, it, it's a really interesting question. Thankfully, I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> but I'm... I'm, I'm, I, I'm I've made some notes here <laughs> for my yes. own, but yeah. yeah. No, so Stuart, what would, uh, I presume the same advice really holds for whatever kind of assistant you are. Yes, have some structure rather than being unstructured yeah. and be very focused instead mm -hmm. of unfocused, um, whatever model suits you. So um, when I talk about the half an hour model, spend the first, well, in fact, spend the first 25 minutes getting some stuff done, usually as a result of email that arrived earlier today or yesterday. And then once you've got a few things accomplished with full focus, you get them done quicker and you do better quality. Now give full focus to processing the inbox, process that back to uh, being a manageable or zero, and now fully focus on some tasks away from the inbox. It's very hard to concentrate on anything to a great um, level of concentration if you've got lots of visual distraction in the inbox. But as a human, you do want to know what's there. You're seeing new ones arrive. Even if the alerts are off, you physically see them arrive. Um, so the same sort of principle, have your day structured. One of the best structures that I can show you is, written, is by a colleague of mine who's written a book called The First Two Hours, Donna McGeorge. I'll pop it up for those that are on okay. the screen. Um, and she has a model, yeah. which is this one, where we work with levels of high intensity and energy. And there are other times of the day where we haven't got quite the same. And there's work that has high impact and there's work that has low impact. And she talks about that first two hours in particular being where we need to be um, proactive, and only working on high impact activities. Most email is um, process. Yeah. It's shifting, sorting, prioritizing. It's not the actual work itself. So in that morning session, we should be doing the important work that may have come out of email in a, a day or days previously. The second half of the morning, uh, well, you've still got high energy. Now you've been in a more reactive mode, offering support, being uh, accessible and flexible to others. And that's when you would do a lot of your a short, sharp email responses, but reserving that morning when you have your highest level of energy and structuring it so that you can get a lot of your most important thing done by mid to late morning. The rest of the day is downhill from there. Yeah. But most yeah. of us, because we get caught up in back and forth, are only getting to our most important piece of work at about three o'clock in the afternoon when our energy levels are, you know, are really low and it takes a whole lot longer to do it. Yeah, that's totally true. I do know that on the days where I don't open Outlook and I just get into course creation or book writing or whatever, creative thing I'm doing at the moment that or workshop design 
definitely it makes a huge difference on how that work gets done it's much easier when outlook yes. isn't open and um and i open outlook with my calendar it only op opens straight to my calendar on the mac you can't do that yet um but you can open your calendar in a new window if you're using outlook on yes. yeah so you, you can yeah. at least go okay i'm not going to look at the inbox i'm going to go open a new window and see my calendar so that's i'll give you i'll give you an big. example shelly from yesterday i went and had a wheel alignment done in my car yesterday and this fellow runs his own business uh, and i was there waiting for him to do the wheel alignment he stopped doing my wheel alignment to take six interruptions. Wow. What should have taken an hour took two and a half hours because he stopped to take phone calls. Um, I said to him, listen, have you ever had an earpiece, you know, so you can keep working while you're talking on the phone? He stopped for a delivery. He stopped for another delivery. Uh, and that was only while I was there. I could see I was going to be quite a while. So I dashed off for 25 minutes and had lunch. Who knows how many interruptions happened then? But, you know, sole operators like VAs yeah. are in a similar sort of situation. You're trying mm -hmm. to do a piece of work for a client, but you're not getting it done because you keep... So I suggested to him, you know, uh, don't answer the phone uh, until the last 10 minutes of the hour. It's the same with the email. Don't look at email until the last 10 minutes of the hour and then process it with full concentration because you must be driving your, your clients. Like if you're a VA and you've got multiple clients, as one of your clients, I'd be really cranky if you stopped doing work on my stuff to keep answering other people's emails and inquiries. Yeah, totally. And then also it's hard to track how long something has really taken you because if you've stopped yes. and started um that the answering email might get lumped in with the task at hand i mean i don't want to say that that is how vas operate because i'm yeah. all very honest and they don't overcharge their clients but i know from my own perspective i'm only human and that could happen so so yeah i mean i i <laughs> i've got a silly example of, of the interruptions a bit like your wheel alignment story um there was a, a hairdresser that i used to go to in london when i was in london and you'd be sitting there in the chair and other people would be phoning up, other people would come yes. in and say, ask you a question and she'd stop. So I could be there for an hour and a half for something that really should have mm. taken half an hour because yes. of those interruptions. I totally, yeah. totally get that. So that was the first W, that was the, the, the when. Um, yes. And then the what, was it what? It was what, wasn't it? What are you going to do? Yes. Or have I got it wrong already? No, you're correct, what? And I start with the when because I think we're going to do better what's and where's if we are controlling when we're trying to do them yeah. uh, with full concentration instead of partial. So my take on what is the principle of um, our time is too valuable to ever look at an email more than once. So you just make the decision in your own mind. I'm only going to look at email once. My time's too valuable to be looking at them two, three, five, 13 times before I move them on. Uh, so that's the mindset. The skill set is the famous 4D methodology that you would know all of the time management gurus mm. talk about the four Ds. And I used to advocate doing that uh, in one pass, but now because of the volumes of email, I recommend doing it in two passes. The first pass is where you triage very quickly. So you're across everything really quickly. And then you go back to those, and it's about 37% that need uh, some deeper attention. So the four Ds, of course, um, the first D is your, our favourite. Um, delete it. Delete. <laughs> my favourite key on the keyboard. <laughs> or my New Zealand friends say dutch it, you know, as in ditch it. <laughs> ditch it. Um, the second one is deal with it straight away. If you can take the next action, David Allen talks about two minutes less. Two minutes, yeah. Two minutes yeah. is actually a huge amount of time when you're in the inbox. But if you can deal with it quicker, right here, right now, then the time it keeps uh, takes to, to keep it, keep track of it, retrieve it, read it, think about it, make a decision, knock it off, you know, really, really quickly. The third one is when you need to pass it on to someone else, you can delegate flick it onto someone else very quickly. And that's where quick steps is very helpful. Mm -hmm. 
for example, I, I use quick steps to flick things off from my bookkeeper with just one click. Um, so I can do that straight away. And then the fourth D, most of the time management guys talk about what do you think the word is? Defer? And what yeah. comes to mind when you hear the word defer? So you're just putting it off for another time. Yeah, and then it never gets done. <laughs> so what, I prefer the word decide. We need to make a decision because decide comes from that same family of words. You might have heard of them. Insecticide, pesticide, homicide, suicide, genocide. You know, that side family of words, which means to kill off, make a decision which kills off other options. We need to be decisive with an email. And so the first pass is what I call the triage pass. You make the decision about what's the priority of this? Uh, what's my next action? And when am I going to do that next action? And I get people to set up a couple of columns in Outlook that allow them to type that next action. So that captures the results of all your thinking and decision-making. And it, it gets stored where you need it. And then you put in a due date for when you're going to come back to it. The normal inbox itself stores what you need, where you need it, but it doesn't control when you look at it. So we are constantly cherry picking through the inbox, trying to find the one that we are going to work on now. We need to make that when decision the first time and then the inbox is organised in order that we only see it when we need to. And that makes a huge difference to Headspace because instead of your head trying to keep track of all that, your tool is doing that for you. Then you come back to the ones you've allocated for today and you work through them a second time at a deeper level of thinking. So triage is shallow thinking that's done really quickly. When you come back to give it a planning or treatment, what I call treatment, you need to treat this patient uh, you knew now uh, it takes longer and it's a deeper level of mindset. Trying to do both at the same time is really taxing. If you go quick, slow, difficult, easy, uh, complex, simple, uh, the poorer mind is jerked around all over the place. We're better to do quick triage and then come back. So every time we visit the mailbox, you triage. And I reckon you only need to do treatment on today's emails you know, once or twice a day. And the extension of that is if it's going to take any significant amount of time, transfer it across to the calendar yeah. and answer the when question. Well, when am I going to do it? Um, and allocate the 15 or 30 minutes to, to get that done. Wow. Joe's mind blown. <laughs> do you know, you know, you said about the decide and putting that column in. What yeah. I have is a quick step where if I know I have to, if it's an action to follow up on the, and a date, I actually yes. have a quick step where I create an appointment Yes. And I put that appointment in my calendar. Yes. Um, but I don't know whether that's quite what you're suggesting is the same in terms of scheduling that for a follow-up yes. piece of work. Yeah, that's what I would do, Joe, in that treatment, in that second pass. Yeah. The first um, pass, I go, okay, I need to add to calendar. I need to think about when I'm going to do it, when, I, when I've got time. So that's going to slow me down, that sort of thing. Yeah. So for the moment, I'll just go uh, scheduling calendar in my right. next action. And then when I come to the day that I'm going, okay, now I need to schedule that in the calendar because uh, that's a different mindset. Right, and you, okay. can, you can then do three, four, five of those scheduling calendar all at the same time. So you get the benefits of that batching, okay. which yes. we all know is a time management strategy. Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. So listeners, I hope you're taking notes like Joe and, uh, and you're going to wow. be putting some of this into practice because that's I'm the totally most important thing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm totally mind blown by this. It's just... It's it's so fundamental and it makes so much logical sense. Yet I've never even thought about some of these things. Yeah. Well, I have. Uh, I, I used to have when I had my face to face training company. I had uh, in my email signature. I let people know that I only check email three times a day, because 
when you send email, you're training your recipients, you're setting their expectations of how quick you are. So when you do respond immediately, and then the next time you take an hour to respond, they think that you're slacking off and you're ignoring them because mm. yes. before you responded quite quickly. Um, yes. So it's it's also, I mean, you said that at the beginning, didn't you, Stuart, about setting expectations. It's really Ma important. Managing those expectations. Yeah. As I say to people, if you respond to email very quickly, what have you trained people to expect? Um, so you need to retrain them by using a range of tools. You might send a one-off announcement, hey, I've changed my structure, and a little PS on your signature block, as you were saying, Shelley, that trains people at a subliminal level. Now, what have you trained them to expect? Yeah. yeah. Uh, totally. most, imp most importantly, most important, what have you trained them to respect? Mm. Yeah. Oh, yes, I like that. Mm. <gasps> Oh. boundaries we all need good boundaries in yes. all different areas of our work and life and mm -hmm. uh yeah so totally clients need to respect you um just as much as as they respect themselves really and respect yeah. your time as much as they respect their own totally yes. totally i mean we all have those nightmare clients that forever are on the other end of an email or the phone saying i need it now i need it last yeah. week um yes. but that's that's a whole different kettle of fish yeah. So what's the yeah. where, Stuart, which is the last, isn't it? The last well, that's where. where. We, yeah, that's where we talked about simplifying your folder structure. Oh, the average yes. number of folders people have apparently is about 37. Oh, wow. And Hicks Law says it's going to take you five times longer to decide which one of those it goes yeah. into just to make the decision. Before you even touch it, just the decision-making will take five times longer. Uh, the research also shows that the average amount of time it takes to find an email in a folder structure is... I think it's 52 seconds, but using search is only 17 seconds. So there's plenty of research around the smart thing in the modern age is to use a single folder and rely on the computer's brain to find things. There's two things computers do much better than humans. They remember the right thing at the right time, whereas our yeah. brain nags us when we don't need to know and forgets just when we do. That's where a calendar and reminders give the computer the task of, of looking after that. And then the other thing is finding stuff. Computers are very good at finding stuff uh, once you give it good search terms. Uh, whereas we often forget, did I put it in that folder or that folder? Uh, or did I delete it? You know, we, we're relying on our memory and our memory is faulty yeah. uh, when it comes to that function. Yeah, especially when you've got those emails that actually probably belong in more than one location if you're filing them. So in yes. the olden days, to, to, to take the analogy, you would have physical A4 or whatever ring binder folders, for example, or yes. hanging folders. And you would take a copy of that letter and you would place it in each of those places where you need it to be. And you yeah. can do the same in, in your inbox, but also then you're clogging your inbox up and making it less efficient. So having one place to store things is definitely a, a good thing. Definitely and, that place, um, and that place shouldn't be the inbox. What I've found is as we've used email more and more, some people have got folders and subfolders and subfolders and subsub and subsub. Sub, 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 it's just grown organically. Yeah. A lot of senior executives in particular or solo operators have just leave everything in the inbox now because that is too hard to play the folder game. And that's a good principle. It's just the wrong location. It should be a separate location called filing cabinet. And what I've found is we can actually delete a lot more than we think we can uh, because deleted items doesn't suddenly vanish. It sits mm -hmm. there for a period of time. And if you, you may even have control of how long it sits there. And the other one that's really useful is the junk folder for Outlook. Because if you get lots of newsletters and updates and information, you can send it off to junk. Uh, so it automatically goes there and doesn't clutter your inbox. And just have a time in your calendar as often as you need to, once a day, once a week, where you go and 
quickly have a look through the junk folder and, oh, yes, I've got time to have a look at that. Or, yes, I'm interested in that. Or I'm glad I had a look at junk because that should have come into my inbox. And the beauty about junk folder is uh, the Outlook setting, is it, they automatically expire when they get to 30 days old. So it, keep, it cleans itself up for you, which is great for newsletters because usually they're monthly. If you haven't read this month, there's a fair chance you never will. And it goes out and the next one comes in. That's, that's a good point. I tend to have a newsletter folder. It's one of the folders I do use uh, and a rule, which anything that has the word unsubscribe in it, because yes. a decent newsletter will have an unsubscribe link somewhere, that goes into my newsletter folder. And then I have a time when I go and look at the newsletter folder and decide what I'm going to do. But I often unsubscribe from newsletters. If I realise I'm not reading them, then mm. I just unsubscribe because just the volume of them coming in is stressful when am i yes. going to get to read it yes. so uh, so yeah so I do, I do that so that that's something you know if you're not going to read it unsubscribe so. yes or put it into junk so once it gets to 30 days it, it unsubscribes itself in a way yeah 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 that's a really cool idea i've not oh. thought of using i have to admit i hadn't thought of using junk that way i tend to ah. do I tend to look at my junk folder at least once a day because mm. real email often ends up in there yes. so i do i do check it once a day Okay. I hadn't thought of using junk like that either. And I'll tell you why, because I thought that if I marked the emails as junk, then it had an impact on the um, deliverability and mailing reputation of, of mail lists. So that's why I hadn't. But that's a very interesting thing. I may well adopt that process as well and get rid of a newsletter folder. Gosh. Yeah, just, well, just clean. unsubscribe, Joe. Just if you're not going to read them, unsubscribe. <laughs> Clay Clay Shirky's written um, uh, email is not a problem of volume; it's lack of filtering. It's filter failure. Yeah, and we get so much at us, and we need to be filtering this stuff. Um, and these these are all ways that we can filter using rules and and junk and mm. deleted and you know a whole range. This is why that 4D process is so powerful because once it becomes a pattern you notice uh, trends and similarities, and then you can set up some form of automation. Outlook's got seven or eight ways that you can automate a whole range of functions from uh, uh, rules, drafts, templates, quick steps, quick parts. The one that um, I teach people that they love, and you'd know about this, Shelley, is autocorrect. Mm. Uh, because we so often type the same word, phrase, or sentence, particularly VAs, PAs, mm. EAs, you're typing the same thing time and time again in an yeah. administrative sort of a role. Uh, and so, for example, I type the word, I type PLS, spacebar, and it autofills, um, uh, please contact me at any time, dash, whatever I can do, I'm here to help. So I just type three letters in spacebar and it autofills all of that. I type T and C and it autofills with two sentences of my terms and conditions. So I'm using the spell checker yeah. to autofill, if you like. Yeah. Well, um, you've also got auto text as well which exists in Outlook in the same way that it exists in Word. It's just slightly more work to set up, but it's just there. So yeah, wow. both of those things are real time savers. And you, yes. you know, if you're using auto text, you could have whole paragraphs. You could have a whole letter okay. set up as separate paragraphs, and then you just type in whatever you called each paragraph and there's your email. So, yes. or your letter in Word. Um, in the olden days, um, the auto text file for Word and Outlook was the same, which yes. was really handy. Now it's not. Now you have to recreate them in both places. And I recommend to people to have a Word document with all their auto text entries in, because if 
something ever crashes and you lose it, yes. you have yes. to start again. At least you've got the text. You haven't got to type it all out again. <laughs> yes. And Shelley, just check this for yourself, but I think you find autocorrect does apply across Word and Excel. Yeah. If you set um, it up in Outlook, autocorrect, um, because it uses the same um, I will. I will check that. I will check that afterwards, listeners. And when we come back in the, the next segment, after Stuart's disappeared off probably to have his dinner, I will uh, I will check that and I'll let you know. Um, I hadn't checked that. But I, I know about autotext because that came yes. up uh, several years ago. I was at a client's. Uh, and they said, "Why can't I get all my auto text entries?" And we did a bit of a bit of research, and we discovered that that Microsoft had said, "Oh, right, two different templates now. It used to be the same yes. template, but it's not a new." Hey, thanks for mine. your tip about putting it all into a Word document. I've recently upgraded my computer and lost a lot of my things, and I'm having mm -hmm. to recreate them. So. Yeah. I will take your uh, tip here and put it all into a, into a Word See, document. We're, we're all always learning. I love it. Oh, it's yeah. so great. Yeah. I love it when I learn something on a day, every day. Something. It doesn't have to be a lot, yes. just something. So that that's great. So have you got any more tips you could share with our listeners, Stuart? I'm sure, sure the other thing, Shelley, we've talked about managing incoming email and workload, but of course, just as important is what we send out. Uh, the challenge that you and I, we, we all have these days is we've got to send an email that gets attention in the first place, engages someone's interest so they read it and stimulates them to take the response that we want. And we've got about two to four seconds to do it because our email is arriving as an interruption into somebody else's crowded inbox. How can we stand out? I think there's three or four key things that we can do to make that happen. In the surveys that I've kept for 15 years, the thing that comes up as people's number one bugbear is getting no response to my email where my email clearly requires a response or that response doesn't come quickly enough. There are things that we can do as senders to help that. Uh, the first one of these is the subject line because that has to get their attention. So um, most of us write uh, a subject line that has the, the topic, but a really good subject line has three components. The first one is what outcome is required. When we talked about the four Ds for incoming email, outgoing email only requires one of four things. You want someone to take an action, they need to do a piece of work. Secondly, you want a response. They don't have to do any work, but you want an answer to your email. The third one is they don't have to take action or respond, but they do need to read it. So your outcome is please read this. It's important that you do read it. The fourth one is you might like to read it, thought you might be interested, but reading is optional. You know, this is a really good joke, but you know, whether you read it or not, it's up to you. So why don't we put that in the subject line yeah. as the very first thing they see. If you receive an email that says action required, does it get your attention? It sure it does. Sure does. It's, yeah. It's like reaching your hand through the screen and grabbing them around the throat and pulling them towards you. So immediately you've got their attention. The second thing that should be in the subject line is a time frame. You want someone to take that action, but what's the time frame? What's the due date? When's it got to be done by? Because if you leave it untimed, you lose control of when they'll do it. So it doesn't, it's a line in the sand. It's not a, um, a hard thing, but it says, you know, um, by close of business Friday. And then the third component of a good subject line is, is what we all put in, which is that topic summary. The second key is to write in what's called the inverted pyramid structure. So you write your main point up front. Um, the American military call this buff, uh, sorry, bluff, B-L-U-F, bottom line up front. It's like the executive summary, one line executive right. summary. Uh, state your um, solution, your recommendation, your outcome, um, and then justify, uh, give explanations afterwards. Mm -hmm. Tell your story afterwards. But of course, we normally tell our story and then give people our recommendation, our solution or request. It worked when we were at school writing essays, um, introduction, three points, conclusion. And I reckon, you know, ladies, I reckon, have you got kids? Have you had kids? I reckon 
we learned to do it that way when we were kids. Because yeah. you're a little kid, you bustle up to dad and you go, dad, 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 main point, can I have an ice cream? And dad goes, hey, you know, it's only six o'clock in the morning, you still got your jammies on, you haven't had breakfast, your toys are all over the floor, your bed's not made, so no, you can't have an ice cream. And so there's a period of childhood where it's no, 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 see your mother, no, later, no. So they get smart, they come, hey, dad, dad, look, I'm all dressed. I've had two wee picks and some milk. My uh, my pyjamas are folded around the bed. Now, here comes my main point, can I have an ice cream? And it's hard to say no, isn't it? <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon that's where we learn. And we do it in school and we do it in email and it stops working. So we need to give the main point first and then give our story. And people can tune out in the same way you and I will often tune out of a newspaper article halfway through. Mm -hmm. When you've got as much as you need to take the action, yeah, that's enough of your story. Here's what you want. Uh, they'll give it to you. The other thing, Shelley, that can help uh, is using two things. One's delayed delivery in Outlook so that it arrives at an optimum time. Try and get away from peak times and obviously try and get away from out of hours times uh, so that your email is rare, is one of the one that stands out. If, if you send it and it arrives in the morning peak, you could get lost in that purge mentality that people have. And the other little thing you can do when you know the other person's an Outlook user is put a reminder on it. So a reminder pops up at their end or set the reminder for yesterday. So your email stands out in red because it's already overdue. <laughs> I like that one. I would not thought of that one before. That's, Brilliant. That's yeah, brilliant. So little, little things that will annoy doing. the recipients. I mean, looking at your inbox, it's already red. Mm, yeah, that's no, a good well, one. <laughs> it won't annoy them. It'll intrigue them. They'll go, how did that turn out in red? What will annoy them is if your reminder pops up because they didn't put the reminder on. Yeah. I'd get permission for that. But having it appear in red, I don't feel like I need to get permission for that. I think that actually helps them. Yeah, yeah, no, um, I think you're right. Sure I, think, I, I think you're right. Um, yes, I mean, I many years ago did do an email course when, when I worked for a training company and uh, a couple of my colleagues still use this system. Sadly, I have got out the habit, I'm gonna get back in the habit of starting off the subject line with square brackets. So yes. action, FYI, respond, yes action or whatever it is and I think it really does make a difference as to how you deal with that incoming email because you know whether it's important or not even just that even if you didn't do all the other things as yes. well um, but well, I that's like right because your poor old recipient is besieged with emails they've got to work this all out if you've done some of the working out for them in advance um, they're more likely to gravitate to yours. And then, Shelley, you're going to get a good reputation. I get emails from you. Make it easy for me. I'll answer yours straight away. The ones yeah. from Joe, gee, that's too much hard work. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, get, to I'll get to those later, you know. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, listeners, start using action words in your subject lines. It will make oh your word. emails much more deliverable, much more read, read more easy. Oh, I'm getting them in my... Yeah. I'll start again. <laughs> Make it easy for your recipients, basically. That's what we're trying to say. Train your recipients, train them that when they get email from you, they'll answer it first by making it easy for them. So that's that's really cool. What's that your view on the reading pane? Is that useful? Or do you, you know in Outlook you can have the reading pane? Or I'm just thinking based on what you've said, would you kind of get rid of the reading pane then? No, definitely not. Right. And what I would get rid of is the message preview, which gives you one or two lines of, of text underneath the, the subject line. That just creates an enormous amount of clutter. Clear all that and use the reading pane. Uh, because by using the reading pane, you often don't have to double click the email uh, to see what it's about. Um, because if you don't have a reading pane, that's what you'll have to do. You'll have to double click, yeah. then you'll have to click the close it. That's three clicks 
50 emails a day for the next 10 years. Wow. Uh, so the oh reading pain word. is very good. And use the reading pane that is to the right if you've got a narrow screen like a laptop because you don't have much um, yeah. vertical space. But if you've got a tall screen, you might use the reading pane that's at the bottom because that then allows you to see all your column widths uh, and you can move that bar up so that you're only focused on a two or three at a time. One of the problems with the right-hand preview pane, as good as it can be, is on the left-hand side, you've got lots of emails, lots of clutter, lots of distraction. Um, uh, so... I suggest people use a different reading pane according to the size screen that they're working with. That's a good tip. That's a good tip because it is, you're, you're absolutely right. When the reading pane is on the right, you don't see all your columns. You can't see necessarily see the flag column or the yes. follow-up column if you've got those columns in your view. So you can't always see them or which, I, I like to see which folder my email is stored in if it's in a folder. So I, it tells me it's in the inbox. Usually it's there, so that's okay. Yes. But you're right; it's um, that that's definitely a good thing. I like using the one on the right purely because that's the way I read. Um, yes. I read portrait, not landscape. So for me, that's my default setting. But yes. I do understand what you're saying about different size monitors would uh, mm. would be used differently. Um, yes. And uh, what about people using the unread, mark an email as unread? To, <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I, I ask people, how do you manage an email now? And I get people to put up their hand or in a, an online, I'll get them to vote on a poll. Who's using flags? Who's using colours? Who's moving to different folders, action reading, newsletters, so on? Who's looked at an email, gone to the next one, but then had to go back and mark that as unread because you haven't actually dealt with it? And the number of people who put up their hand, and then I'll say, hey, Shelley, how many times a year do you do that? And so we'll talk about a, a seven or eight different ways that we manage an email. And I say, you've got all these ways of managing email and you still can't cope. So they obviously don't work. Um, marking as, as read or unread is not a very good strategy um, because in my world, you only look at an email once. So you yeah. don't need to know, you don't need to go back and mark it as unread. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a gadget, it's a tool. But if you're doing email effectively, you shouldn't need to use it. Yeah, no, totally. It, it's and I think anything that you do, you only want to touch it once. You don't want to have to keep going back and refining and refining and doing something else with it. Um, yeah, touch it once and then forget about it. Deal with it or don't deal with it, but or deal with it or make a decision about it. I think is 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 definitely the issue. Wouldn't it be good if um, wouldn't it be good if instead of marking it as read, it makes it disappear once you go to the next email. That'd force you to do with it, wouldn't it? It would force people definitely to do. I mean, you could do that. You could probably set a rule up yeah, that would, would delete it when it's read. So, yes. um, yeah. As soon as you skip to the next one, you've got one chance to get this right. So that would that would force your behaviour, wouldn't it? Yeah, a bit like when I had back surgery and the surgeon told me what he was going to do. He was replacing a disc in my spine. Mm -hmm. And he told me that he had one chance. I didn't think I wanted to know this at the time. He had one yeah. chance to nick the bone where the disc was going to sit. He had to get it exactly right. And I thought, I don't really want to know this. But that's it. It has to be, it, it focused his mind that he had to get it right. He did. He did get it right. 16, 17 years later, I can tell the tale. He did get it right. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think that's a, a really good point. That's a really good point. Do you have any last minute tips and then we'll we'll wrap up? Oh, no, I think I've covered the, the big rocks. There's a million little things, but I think they're the big things. And if you can get those big things in place, a lot of little things will fall into place afterwards and you won't need to address them directly per se. They'll just fall into line. Yeah. Um, 
yes. So, so I think I'd just repeat the fact that we need to have a process. We need to control when we're looking at it, have a regular process and simplify the back end of the process, which is the, the storing and retrieving. Yeah, absolutely. It's been really fascinating. I know Joe's made lots of notes because he's been watching her and I've been seeing that she's kind of very excited to go and put some I've of these got, into action. I've got four post-it notes of both sides written with notes. <laughs> I am going to become an Outlook ninja. Well, we'll, well th that's the hope anyway. <laughs> well, Joe, you see what's happened, Joe? How long have you been using email, Joe? Email? Uh, mm. Oh, gosh, I'm not sure that I would like to admit that. <laughs> Let's think. I'm going back to... Oh, yeah, going going back probably 20-something. Yes. Yeah. And this Easily. is the problem. We think we've got 20 years' experience using email, and the truth is it's probably one year's experience 20 times. Yeah. Our skill set has not kept up with the evolution of email. Yes. And so you've yeah. just had a fast-track up or neck-top upgrade. Yeah. Uh, Totally. With what we totally. talked about today. Yeah. yeah. So, Stuart, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you, how they can find you, how they can work with you if they want to, because I know you run some great workshops. Yes, yeah, sure. Um, the beauty about COVID, of course, is it's forced us. Uh, you've been online for a lot longer than me, yeah. Shirley, but it now means that each of us are accessible anywhere around the world. LinkedIn's probably the great place to start because as email addresses change, we, we can still stay connected. And then my website, which is my name, Stuart Snook, spelt my unique way, although you can you can spell Stuart any way you like, and they're all, I've got six different names and they'll all point <laughs> to the one site. Uh, and so most of my work is, um, I'm trying to come up with three options. A do it yourself, I'm trying to get a book done this year and an e-learning course so people can look after their learning for themselves. Done with you, which is most of my work, like you, Shelley, training and coaching. Yeah. Uh, consulting and speaking and then I'm also developing a done for you option where I'm training up specialist inbox VAs if you like or inbox managers to be able to supply them to senior executives who need someone to look after their inbox because they don't have an assistant or they do have an assistant but don't want them to use use them for that sort of function um, so there's a whole range of ways that I can contribute to that and send you to other people or help you myself Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I hope you have a lovely evening. We, I'm in the afternoon. Joe's still in the morning. So it's quite exciting, isn't it? Oh, we yeah. know what Joe's going to be doing today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it's funny, but I have an hour slot because somebody's moved a call later. So, yes, I am. Yeah, I'm going to be working through these notes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be checking autocorrect, but it does work across yes. the same ones that I have set up in Word working out look that will take two ticks to check up and uh that was a top tip and thank you once again for joining us Stuart absolute pleasure Joe just reach out anytime if you need some help think of me as your doctor if your email's sick or you're just sick of your email reach out and give me a call I'll diagnose a band-aid or a Panadol or a course of antibiotics and and uh never feel free and never feel shy to reach out and, and ask for help welcome back listeners to this episode we've just been in conversation with Stuart Snooks and um, if you're watching us on YouTube you would have been able to see Joe's expression as <laughs> she was busily making four pages of notes <laughs> or is that four pages or four post-its but four lots of notes four post-its look at it <laughs> on both sides um, of all those things that she's going to go and play with and implement afterwards so what stood out for you Joe in particular Oh, um, there was just, I, I mean, there was just so much. I mean, the, the due delegate defer, we all know the due delegate defer. His view of, instead of 
um, defer, instead decide. of defer, decide. I, thought, I liked that. I, I've been teaching the four Ds in Outlook for a very long yeah. time, um, but uh, I hadn't actually thought about using the decide word. And I loved the, um, the explanation of the side words, yes. which I hadn't connected at all. Yeah. Um, to making a decision and to to, to killing something off yes yeah but that's I, I I that for me is really good and I also like the real the thing and I am going to go and implement this in my diary the minute we finish this recording I have been doing my email first thing in the morning lunchtime and the afternoon at, you know sort of end yeah. of the day and I think that what I'm going to do is I'm going to make my first visit into my inbox at 11 o'clock in the morning yeah rather than eight o'clock because just listening to him I realized it makes me quite reactive and I was reflecting on while I was sort of listening to him that he was absolutely right when he said because I've been reactive I've got to the end of the day and I haven't produced that blog that I wanted to do that day because I've been so busy in that inbox and all of those things yeah Yeah. the one thing the big thing that I learned from Stuart when when we first hooked up around just over a year ago really was to do with starting your day with your calendar and not starting your day with your inbox. So when you are in Outlook, um, you can go to uh, in on Outlook for Windows. It's in File and Options. I'm just looking at it while we're here. Uh, and you can choose where your startup screen is. I can't remember exactly which screen it's on right now. I should have looked before we came back. But you can start so that the first screen you see is your calendar and then you are working on what you have said you're going to be working on that day i know that the days that i am the most productive is when i've put a note in my diary and i've blocked out that first three hours of the morning um, and i've got a list of the things i'm going to do or i've got four appointments one after the other appointments with myself but i don't look at my inbox i just look at that and that makes a a tremendous difference so yeah and moving checking your email to 11 is a very good strategy yeah. um, and also gradually people will begin to realize that you're not going to respond to them within 10 seconds which yeah. most of us do because we all want people to like us and we want to please and exceed our clients yeah. expectations but sometimes that can be counterproductive the thing yeah. the other thing i wanted to to pick up on there apart from the, the general outlook tips from a business point of view, because we've talked about general business things and we've mm. talked about the N word or the niche word niche a word, lot yeah. over the last year. And it's very clear that Stuart has picked a niche and not only has he picked a niche, he's picked a niche within a niche. Yeah. And um, that helps him be seen as an expert in his field. And also people know that he is the person that that they need. So I think it reinforces the idea of of niching. But like with all of the other people we've interviewed over the last year, Joe, um, it didn't happen overnight for him either. No, he, he started his general time management, and then he got into email, and then he decided to specialize yeah. on EAs and PAs. So I think it does show that that niche is an iterative 
process um, yeah. unless you've got a really out of the box different kind of skill that is very niche in itself yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that's important to come back to the autocorrect um, that I didn't know whether it carried through I wasn't sure I tested that so listeners if you have autocorrect options set up for things that you in word for example may I cannot type the word lunch for love nor money it never has an n in it when I type it and we discovered this um, many years ago, it must be over 20 years ago, more than, no more than that, 30, close to 30 years ago, because my son's 30. So it's close to 30 years ago, because he was just six months old when we discovered that I cannot type lunch. Um, this was before the days of email, 30 years ago. Uh, we, had a very, uh, we had a very basic uh, computer with a floppy disk and, you know, oh, really yeah. like no, no memory. Uh, and we ran a group, we brought a group of uh, people together and we did trips for, we did a, a whole bonding thing where we went for trips and I had to type up the itinerary. So every day, of course, on the itinerary was lunch, except that lunch was L-U-C-H in my world, not L-U-N-C-H. <laughs> so David said, you do know you can't spell lunch. I think, oh no, that's terrible. Anyway, so that's when I learned about autocorrect because since then, whenever I have a new machine, I always set, go into autocorrect. So for your information, you will find it in file and options and on the um, proofing section in Word, and it's a button at the top, autocorrect options, and you'll find two columns. On the column is the word that you misspell, and on the right-hand side is the correct spelling. Now, what Stuart was saying is that he uses that not just for misspelled words, but also for whole paragraphs of text. And I know quite a number of people that, that do that and it absolutely works. Oh, so wow. you, you could have, um, you know, for the word please, that it will also also correct, um, please contact me for any further information, for example. And when you type the word into word and it also, the same autocorrect dictionary carries into Outlook. I just tested it and it works. Um, when you type that word, what you see is on the screen, you'll see a tooltip pop up with the um, option to press enter. And when you press enter, then it auto fills whatever you've said it should correct for. Mm. So it does carry across because I just tested it um, just before we came back on to record this segment. So that's your top tip for today. Wow. is using autocorrect it's, it's a really really handy thing the other thing that i was mentioning was something called auto text auto text is different to autocorrect in that auto text can also and keep the formatting of something so autocorrect is just words but for example when i'm writing a book if i have um, a table basically it's a table with two columns in the left column is an icon and in the right column it says tips at the top and then space for me to write the tips but if I had to create that every single time I wanted to put a tip into a written book, um, that would mm. elongate the length of time it takes me. Instead, I have that as an auto text entry. And that as soon as I put tips or whatever I called it, it puts the whole thing in and it, it keeps all your formatting as well. So the two different things, you can use them in the same way, but one adds in the formatting and not just the um 
words and auto text is found yeah. under quick parts just in case you wonder where it lives it lives in quick parts in word and in oh, quick parts yeah quick parts so wow. there you go more more shortcuts today joe it, uh, it's been a whole session of shortcuts and, and tips it's going to revolutionize my use of outlook <laughs> I, I absolutely i'm going to go through all of that and and just yeah over the next few days it, it's amazing amazing Excellent. so what are you doing for the rest of today joe um for the rest of today i've got um a quotation to put together for some GDPR work. I've had some documentation in from a client and I'm doing a review for them. Um, and I'm also writing a um, service proposal for um, a networking group I belong to, um, which will offer them a like a repeat monthly service um to help them with something around their gdpr and their tech and all of that thing so yeah nice busy afternoon lots going on lots going on lots going yes on. well yeah. i'm going to go and have lunch actually it's uh, quarter past two in the afternoon and it's that time for lunch at least that's what my dummy is telling me anyway so i'm gonna go and have lunch and uh and then i shall come back and uh today i've been editing uh well i've edited one podcast this morning before we recorded Stuart's one so I'm going to finish uh, sorting that one out get the, the web page ready and get it all scheduled uh, and hopefully do another one because over the next few weeks I'm going to be extremely busy with delivery uh, design and delivery so delivering all these teams courses but also designing the two webinars that are due in May so I do need to get my act together on that so I don't want to be distracted mm. by podcast editing in in between because we do batch things in order to make them easier to to schedule and as all VAs know batching is a great way to work so uh, so yeah. that's that's my plan for today uh, and then tomorrow is my workshop for Miss Jones uh, virtual summit which I'm very much looking forward to so uh, so that's this week um, done and dusted <laughs> just another week gone where did it go <laughs> Yeah, who, who can you believe it's May next I know, week? I know. I, I thought that yesterday when I was looking at the calendar, um, because I'm really beginning to ramp up now, thinking about going to London for the PA show in June and starting to look at what needs to happen between now and then. Uh, and thinking, actually, mm. it's not that many weeks away. So um, no, when in June is it? Uh, the PA show is the twenty second and twenty third. That's right. Yeah, and then following on from that, the twenty third, twenty fourth, and twenty fifth is Execsec Tech. Yeah, uh, and I'm also going to be delivering a couple of sessions for Execsec Tech. So as soon as uh, Lucy confirms which of the list of topics I gave her she would like, I've got that to prepare as well. So there's yeah. a lot to do in the next six to eight weeks. So wow. it's all good fun. So will you, will, are both of those events in London, one after no, the other? the um, PA show is in London. It's at Excel. Yeah. Um, Tech is still going to be virtual. So that right. will be, a, as it was last year, a pre-recorded session. Right. And uh, in a way, a live session is easier because you have the prep and you deliver. But when it's mm. pre-recorded, you have the prep. And then you record it and recording yep. always takes longer than a live delivery because you, have, you yep. want it to be perfect. So you yep. tend to, to have outtakes and things like that. So mm. um, those two sessions will need to be recorded. So 
just as a, a rule of thumb for a one hour session, it's at least a day's work to put that pre-recorded yeah. session together. So that's all got to be done and delivered before I go. Mm. And I think I'm supposed to be doing an admin chat for execsec as well, which I really should be looking at because that's also in May. So uh, I've got my work cut out this month, but it's good. It's all good. Keeps you out of mischief. It does. It does. <laughs> but we have decided, um, any of you who follow me on Instagram um, or our Facebook, or the Tomorrow's VA Facebook page will have seen my um post recently that we have just started going out for the day on a Monday. Uh, we decided that we're going to take a Monday every week because here in Israel, we have a, a six day week. Um, my husband has things that he does on a Sunday and a Tuesday, a Sunday, a Tuesday and a Wednesday. So we decided we'll have, we'll have Mondays off. And as we arrived in Israel in October, 2019 and lockdown started in March after we got back from visiting our kids, we really haven't done anything mm. in the last year. We both run our own business. And the, the idea of running your own business is to choose when you work, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. To be available when, you know, when you've got kids at school, to be available for them, for the meetings, for all those other things that you do. Uh, and so we've decided that from now on Mondays, most Mondays anyway, we will be going out for the day. So we went out for the day yesterday, which was lovely. It was like being on like a mini holiday. Uh, and uh, so yeah so come and find me on Instagram and when I go on my mini holidays you'll see my pictures uh, and you'll think oh hmm, what's she doing today so there mm. you go <laughs> anyway listeners thank you as ever for listening to us waffle along and you can find me Shelley at tomorrowsva.com Joe is Joe at jlbbusinessconsulting.co.uk virtually amazing is the page on Facebook Tomorrow's VA also has a Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to be a guest, let us know. If you know somebody else who would like who you would like to hear from, let us know. And it's been great because a few of you have responded to those requests and said that you'd love to come on the podcast or recommended other people. And that helps us all um, get more guests and keep us going for a bit longer. So that's yeah. great. And I'll stop waffling now, I think. Hello listeners, Shelley here. Just to let you know that we are going into a two-week break whilst I am going to be in the UK for the PA show. I arrive in the UK on June the 13th and I'm there till the 29th. The show is the 22nd and 23rd. We will actually be recording the next two episodes of the podcast that first week when I'm in London and they will be edited and uploaded and ready for your listening pleasure once I am back in Israel after June the 29th. So that's just a short break for the podcast whilst we get organised. We'll be opening up our calendars for more podcast recording in July and August and we will have lots more episodes ready and waiting for you as we go through. So do join me at the PA show if you happen to be coming to Excel. Come and find me on my stand. Joe is going to be there too. We're going to record some snippets for a future podcast and we'd love to see you. You have been listening to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with Shelley Fischel and Joe Brianti. We will be back with you again next week with yet another amazing episode. See you then.